Good morning, church. I trust you're all well this morning. I hope you all had a good night's sleep and everybody is um, fine and um, keeping warm. It's another crisp morning, but let's enjoy the Sunday. Let's enjoy the, the service, the message as we listen to it. And let's also be encouraged to keep um, on in prayer as we endure our current situation. Yes, it wasn't a lovely week to look back. We saw the we saw um, sin at its worst. We saw living in a fallen world. And we know that a way forward is, is through prayer. So like scripture says, pray without ceasing. So let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, as we endure these these uncertain times we're living in, what went on during the week with the rioting, the looting, the violence, and then also this pandemic. Let us know at the end of the day, the Lamb wins. Christ Jesus is always the winner. He's on the throne, He rules, and He is in complete charge of this world. So I pray that you would continue to Keep in prayer our current situation. Otherwise, I invite you all to turn with me to Micah chapter 5. As I read from Micah chapter 5, and um, as we continue to preach from verses 1 to 9. Starting at verse 1. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel. And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth. And he shall be their peace, when the Assyrian comes into our land and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They shall shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, and the land of Nimrod at its entrances. And he shall deliver us from the Assyrian when he comes into our land and treads within our border. Then the remnant of Jacob shall be in the midst of many peoples, like dew from the Lord, like showers on the grass, which delay not for a man, nor wait for the children of man. And the remnant of Jacob shall be among the nations, in the midst of many peoples, like lying among the beasts of the forest, like a young lion among the flocks of sheep, when, which, when it goes through, treads down, and tears in pieces, and there is none to deliver. Verse 9. Your hand shall be lifted up over your adversaries, and all your enemies shall be cut off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for another opportunity to preach your word, to worship you online. We thank you for technology. We thank you that we are able to still hear your word, to 
encourage us, to strengthen us, to comfort us, and to give us a future hope, which is in Christ Jesus. So help me now, Father, to continue to be clear and understood. Help me to preach faithfully and help us all to hold fast the gospel of Christ, to hear the word and to be doers of the word as we continue to listen to what you have to say to us through Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to continue in Micah chapter 5, verses 1 to 9. And we're going to continue to look at God holds the future. And to see why we can trust God who holds the future. Last Sunday we looked at our first reason why we can trust God who holds the future. And I'll touch on this briefly soon. But our big question was, do we believe that God holds the future? And as Christians, obviously we do believe that. But the, 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 the problem is that when trials and struggles come our way, then the question is, will we continue through them to believe that God holds the future? And what I mean by God holds the future, I mean He controls everything in heaven and on earth. A great example is we are all waiting for the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we know that this future event will happen because we know that God holds this future event, the return of Jesus Christ. And if God holds this future event, and we can believe that He holds this future event, then, then we need to believe that God holds the future. When there are trials and sufferings, as we live in this world, they will continue until Jesus Christ returns. The world will not spin out of control or derail like we've seen when there's chaos. We just need to continue to trust that God holds the future. And you remember that story I told you of that young girl that was on the train and there was that man who was um, afraid because the train was speeding. It was going a lot faster because they were trying to catch up on lost time. And they saw that little girl that was sitting across from him. And he looked at her and she smiled and he asked her, Are you not afraid of the train speeding to make up lost time? And the girl smiled back and said, We are not in danger this morning because my daddy is the driver today. And what was the point of the story? Well, if this little girl could have complete trust in her dad driving the train, holding that wheel, then surely we can have complete trust in our Heavenly Father who is running the engine of our future, who holds the future. He holds us in His hands. And He, he controls everything in heaven and on earth. And Paul encourages us to believe this because God accomplishes all things according to the counsel of His will. And there, the word accomplish means that God works or, or brings about all things according to His own will. And it's important for us to know this because no event in creation falls outside of God's sovereign will. Everything that happens in this world comes from Him. God is the one who sends the rain, the thunder, and the lightning. If you read and follow me in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 33, the, the lot is cast into the lap, but, it is, but its very decision is from the 
Lord, just roll the dice today. And whatever number it falls on, if you get a six or a four, the number comes from God. He holds the future. He determines everything. And it's encouraging to know this. Because then we don't become too afraid and we don't have to fear about what goes on around us. Remember that lovely chorus that I read to us? I know who holds the future and he will guide me with his hand. With God things don't just happen. Everything by him is planned. So as I face tomorrow with his problems, large and small, I will trust the God of miracles. Give to him my all. And that's all we need to do. We need to trust the God of miracles. We need to trust that God holds the future. And we need to look to him no matter what is going on around us. So this morning, I would like to continue. And before we look at our second reason why we can trust God who holds the future, I just want to recap our first reason why we can trust God who holds the future. And the reason why is because God knows what he is doing. And this is what we saw last week as we looked at Micah chapter 5 verses 1 to 4. We saw that God knows what he is doing. Now I'm not going to explain to um, this, these four verses. I'm not going to flesh it out. You're welcome to go back and listen to that last Sunday's sermon. But what Micah is trying to do in these four verses is he is trying to encourage his people and us that God knows what he's doing. That when everything looks out of control, when everything looks chaotic, God holds the future. He knows exactly what he is doing and we can trust him. Like I said in verse 1, there's a siege laid against Jerusalem. And you look at, look at last week's sermon and you'll see more what's going on there. And, and the siege sometimes might bring into question, does God know what he's doing? And it, and it might look like God does not know what he's doing. What happened in our, in our country over the last week, it might look like God does not know what he's doing. But what, what is encouraging is that in verse 2, we are told that from Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel. And that is pointing to Jesus Christ. Yes, while they were in siege, God did help them, but he's pointing forward to a great ruler. And the ruler that Micah is talking about, like I said, is Christ Jesus, who came 700 years later. Verse 3 of Micah chapter 5 says, When she who is in labor has born a child. Isaiah also spoke about a child being born in verse 6 of Isaiah chapter 9. For a child will be born to us a son, will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. 
And Micah, both Micah and Isaiah are talking about Jesus. And their prophecy came true. We just have to go to Matthew. And in his gospel, he wrote, She, that's Mary, will bear a son, and he will give, and he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus is not going to come as an earthly king, and he didn't. He came as the Messiah, the Messianic ruler. And according to verse 4 of Micah chapter 5, he will stand as a ruler in order to accomplish God's plan. And when Jesus came, God's plan was him to be the Lamb of God, to take away the sin of the world, that God would save a people through him. And he would do all things, not in his strength or his riches or his power, but he would do all things in the strength that he will get from God, his Father, and rule by the sovereign authority of God's name. He will shepherd God's people by leading them, by protecting them, and by providing for their needs. His kingdom will be a universal rule, including all the nations of earth. And the kingdom that is coming is the kingdom that is not of this world. It's a future kingdom. And, and, and Micah, we know, if you, you've got to go back to last week's sermon and get a bigger picture of what's happening in verses 1 to 4. But I just um, wanted to bring out one specific point, and that was that the great ruler is coming. And we know he has come in the form of Jesus. And that we can have great confidence that God knows what he's doing. In the midst of chaos, God holds the future. He knows what he's doing, that everything is not going to fall apart. But there will be a time. When that great event comes, when there will be great tribulation and Christ will return for his people. So if anybody is going through a crisis, if we are afraid and we're fearing what's been happening, that this COVID-19 has been weighing us down, the looting and the rioting and the violence has been causing us to become afraid, May we be encouraged to look to Scripture, to look to Jesus, to look to God's Word, because we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to His purposes. And this verse gives us great hope to endure our trials, our suffering, our struggles, and to be reminded that God knows what He is doing. He holds the future. But let's look at our second reason why we can trust God. And the second reason why we can trust God, who holds the future, is because God is in control of the future. It's quite simple as that. That's exactly what Micah is telling us in verses 5 to 9 of Micah chapter 5. That God holds the future and we can trust him because he is in control of the future. Again, we see in verses 5 to 9 of Micah chapter 5. Micah now is focusing on the Assyrians. In verses 1 to 4, he focused on the Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar. But now he is focusing on the Assyrians who in 701 BC laid siege of Jerusalem. In um, 722, they... they um, 
captured Israel, that's the northern kingdom, and they took Israel into exile, that's the northern kingdom. And now in 701 BC, they have laid siege of Jerusalem, and that's the southern kingdom down in Judah. And the Assyrians have surrounded them, and the Israelites are thinking what they are going to do with their military and their strength. That's why in verse 5 it says, When the Assyrian comes into our land, and treads in our palaces, then we will raise against him seven shepherds and eight princes of men. They are looking and thinking about what are they going to do and how they are going to use their army to deliver them. But Micah has already told us in verse 5 that there is a ruler coming. And in, and, and, or in verse 5 he says, and he shall be their peace. That God that, that is going to deliver them. And this is still pointing forward to the return of Jesus. He's going to deliver us from sin. But God is also encouraging them that he is going to deliver them. And God did deliver them from the Assyrians. When he wiped out the Assyrian army. And you can read about that in 2 Kings chapter 9 verses 34 and 35. But 185,000 of them were wiped. Out. He shall deliver them from the Assyrians. And, and, and this just shows us that, that God is in control. Okay? He holds the future. He keeps us in his palm of his hand. And he controls everything. Even the smallest details of nature under his control. The falling of a sparrow. The number of hairs on our head. God is in control of our future and our battles. And this is why God has given us the Holy Spirit to, to, to live in us and to help us. But he's also given us his word. And if you go to Ephesians chapter 6, his word tells us in verse 10 that we need to put on the full armor of God. That we need to wear this every day. Because we are in a spiritual battle. We must put on God's armor. It's not our battle. It's God's battle. Therefore, we must be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. So that we will stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against Satan and his forces. And this is all pointing to, to prayer. We pray in the Spirit. And we pray for what is going on. Because our fight is not against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle. Yes, we are responsible to do things as human beings. But our fight is a fight of prayer. Like someone said, prayer is the arena in which Christians have a greater power than that of the world. The world can't touch us. The world can't say anything to us in prayer. We can go straight to our Heavenly Father and we can pray. But we need to, we need to put on the full armor of God. We need to be wearing the full armor of God as we walk with God in this world. Just a, a reminder of, of one of the, the armor is that, is verse 17, is that, and take the helmet of salvation and then the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And that's what we use. We fight with the sword of the word. We, we, we take God's word and we break down these strongholds that are holding people captive. We, we witness to them. We live godly lives. And we also use scriptures, scripture to, to tell people the truth. 
The full armor of God gives us hope for our future because God knows the end from the beginning and He fights our battles. The Lamb wins. And Christ is on the throne and we are victorious in Him. But how often we think we're in control of our future. And verse 7 of Micah chapter 5, just reading around, trying to get an understanding of this, and listening to what some other theologians say, they say that the analogy between remnant and dew and showers are mysterious gifts of God not controlled by humankind. And that, is show, that is so true. Where were we this morning when God brought about the weather? Who makes the dew? Who makes the showers, the rain fall on the grass? God is in control. All we can do is when we, when we need rain is wait. And this dew and rain analogy is showing Judah and us that we are not in control of our future. We must believe and trust that God is the one in control of our future. He determines our future. Just like the farmers have to wait patiently for the rain. So we need to wait patiently for God to help us when we are times in, in, in struggle or trials. We are called to submit to, to Jesus, walk obediently with Him, to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily and follow Christ Jesus. Which means that we must trust the sovereign plan of God and wait for Him to act within our future. I like what someone said when I'm talking about prayer. Um, he says that, I um, just want to find it here, to do with, to do with prayer. It says here that, um, that Christians tend to rely on our own activity and to focus on what we can do against sin and evil. While we often neglect the far more important resource of prayer. Prayer is in fact an appeal to the sovereignty of God in accordance with the will of God. And we need to rely on prayer more than what we do. We need to trust God. We need to know that God is in control of our future. He holds the future in His hands. And we need to wait on Him to act. And not to go forward. Not to lean in our own understanding. We'll cry be wise in our own eyes. And as we come to verse 8 of Micah chapter 5. The Assyrians think that they can determine their future. That they are in control of their future. That they can just come along and they can pounce upon people. But Micah in verse 8 comes up with another analogy. He compares the remnant to a lion that mauls and destroys. Micah is trying to get his people to focus their attention on the divine control over these events. Meaning no one can rescue these nations if God has determined their end. Not, they can't even rescue themselves. The Assyrians thought they, they were in control of their future. That they're going to come and just, in, like I said in 701 BC, that they're going to come and siege 
Jerusalem as the southern kingdom siege put a wall of people around Jerusalem and 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 siege them they thought they had this under control but verse 8 says God eventually mauled them like a lion when 185,000 Assyrians died God holds the future and this is what Mike is trying to get across to us in verses 5 to 9 of chapter 5. He's trying to persuade his people and us that God is the one who sovereignly determines the coming events. And what does this do? It cancels out human pride or victories about what we can do or will do. And we see that in verse 9 of Micah chapter 5. Of a person lifting up his or her hands. And this is usually a negative sign of pride, rebellion or violence. Mike is helping his people to put their total trust in God who is in control of their future. Who holds the future. The future is not controlled by human forces. All we can do is bring our future to God and pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. All we can do is fall down and trust God in prayer with our future. Our pride tells us we can accomplish great things for our future. That's the problem with our pride. Our pride tells us things, what we can do. Like leave the city and maybe go live in a nice country, a little country town like Robertson, thinking that we're going to make a good life. And that everything's going to turn out great. But it, it is only if the Lord wills. Because it is actually God who is accomplishing great things through us. We do not determine what will happen. We don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What our life will be like tomorrow. We're just a vapor. As James says in, in James chapter 4 verses 13 to 16. All about this. And he says, as it is, we boast and brag. But all such boasting is evil, says James. I don't know what tomorrow will bring. All I know is tomorrow has enough problems of its own. And I can live only today, one day at a time, and, and, and seek God and pray for grace and mercy in time of need. This is not telling us we cannot plan our future. Of course we can plan for the future. But then commit your plans to the Lord in prayer. So that it's also His plan for you. But our plans are always subject to God's will. So will we trust God with our future and allow Him to work in us, both to will and to work for His good pleasure? As you look back and see what went on during this week, we don't know what's going to go on going forward. But all what we can do is, is to keep in prayer. I encourage us to pray without season. I encourage us to, to, to commit everything to God in prayer. We can talk and scheme and think we know everything. But we should be, we should be taking this to God in prayer. So He can fight the fight. He holds the future. He determines what is going to, to happen. I think in the same book there was... Um, this, this quote is, first and foremost, we see that prayer is the means by which God accomplishes his purpose in history. And we need to, to know that our prayers are 
certainly or certain to be received and answered by God. And it all happens in his time. So these two reasons that we've looked at from Micah chapter 5, that we looked at and as we work through them, God knows what he's doing and God controls the future. Will we be challenged in our daily lives as we walk with God to trust God who holds the future? To put our total trust in him who holds the future. As trials come our way, as sufferings and pain and hardship come our way, they're not supposed to bring dismay to us if we are trusting God who holds the future. Our joys should still be in Jesus, the one who died to bring us to God, to give us the Holy Spirit so that we can face our trials with hope and joy. Knowing that Jesus, the Lamb, who was slain for our sin, sovereignly holds the future. The Lamb wins. All authority has been given to Him. He holds the future by the word of His power. Therefore, will we be challenged? Will we be encouraged to trust God who holds the future as we walk with God in these uncertain times? Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we can be challenged by your word we can be exhorted we can be rebuked we can be encouraged we can be comforted as we're all hurting people but forgive us father when we take our eyes off jesus and we don't come to you you the one that holds the future and we think we can sort things out we can scheme things father be merciful to us forgive us as your as your children but help us father to to hold fast the gospel of Christ during these uncertain times, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to walk by faith and not by sight, to trust you, you the one that holds the future, you the one that knows what you are doing, you control everything, you are providentially and sovereignly taking care of, of us in this world, your children, your people. But give us wisdom to, to hold fast Jesus, not to lose hope or lose heart or become faint-hearted, but to keep marching on as faithful soldiers, fighting the good fight, running that race, sowing that seed, and teaching your word and proclaiming your word into the lost world. Father, this world's greatest need is to hear the gospel, to be saved, to be transformed, more into Christ-likeness. Father, please help us. Help us all to trust you, you who holds the future. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn with me to Jude, as I close with a benediction from Jude, verses 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. And God's children say, Amen.